Welcome to the Anchored by Faith Podcast, a Reform Baptist podcast where we hold the scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright. And my name is Logan Battisti. And it has been a long break. Very long break. Unfortunate events have occurred. Yeah, we've, I guess this is like our spring break, but in winter. Hey, it's a winter and spring break at the same time. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, sorry guys. We had snowstorm, sickness, snowstorm, finals, and death, death. in the family. <laughs> so it has been a roller coaster of a month. Which has been more on Colton's side than it yeah. has been on mine. It has been a very rough month for me. And then Colton's also the new interim youth pastor of our yeah, church. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. I that's guess a that's good the title. way to put it. So yeah. added that to his plate as well. So prayers there. That's been adding a, a decent amount. It's been fun, but that's always comes with more time. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so we still wanted to let you guys know we we want to do this. We're looking forward to doing this. Really can't feel bad for putting a time schedule on it after the break, but yeah. we're we're gonna try to be more disciplined. And mm-hmm. doing this, I mean, I guess that would come up with the upcoming yeah. series of spiritual disciplines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, we just fasted for a while. Fasted and that's what it is. studied and yeah, maybe we needed some time away from each other. Maybe that's so what it was. Wa- maybe so our wives wouldn't kill us for being up so late all the time. That is, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what was needed. Yeah, because she told me that we needed to quit doing the podcast on weekdays. <laughs> She's like, you guys are up way too late. <laughs> but we mean, it's not that late. It's usually just like 11. <laughs> it's not like you go to bed before that anyways. <laughs> exactly. So it's not that big of a deal. Right. Oh, if we die later today, you guys know why. Well, well whenever this comes out, I guess. Yeah, we still got a few days at least. Yeah, a few days of living, but afterwards, if, <laughs> if you see something on the news about Colton and Logan. Yeah, two guys from the Max Creek and Camdenton area disappear. You'll know why. Exactly. But, I mean, it's been kind of a nice break. We got to listen to some great things last week. Uh, yeah. Last week, we posted on the Facebook page about our friend Roman's testimony. Mm-hmm. That was a powerful testimony. It was wonderful. It was definitely one I didn't see coming, but that was because I wasn't in on how she was born female. Mm -hmm. And so my mind was kind of blown a little bit. Man, her testimony is absolutely amazing. I mean, if you haven't listened to it, you need to get to our Facebook or look up Lynn Creek Baptist and look at that as well and and check it out. It is just amazing, powerful, moving. She uh, opened up to me and I was, you know, one of the first ones she shared to and yeah, blew my mind blew my mind but i'm uh, sure especially like the hardest thing now is saying she instead of he especially with the name roman but I, yeah i know roman listens to this so <laughs> please don't get mad at me but uh, it's just when i hear roman i think of he not she but like she's a great person she is somebody i really look up to because mm. i suck when it comes to like personal evangelism like that and i get nervous and scared and i know that her and james are both up there and like i'm not afraid to talk to anybody about Mm -hmm. this stuff yeah no they are straight we're gonna talk about it here it is and i mean that is some courage right there Mm -hmm. like 
I would rather do this or preach than do <laughs> personal evangelism any day. It's tough. Personal evangelism is tough. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I wish, because we were talking about it in Sunday school, it's how I, like, I wish there was a cookie cutter approach to it. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about a man in class had went to a restaurant and some Jehovah's Witness came up to him. And they're like, how do you feel about family? Mm. And he's like, nuclear family, church family. And, and they're just kind of stood there shocked. Like, I don't know what to say to that. That's not in my list of responses. That I'm supposed to. <laughs> yeah. This isn't in the script. <laughs> oh, he, he, he didn't say yes or no. Or I really love my family yeah. or anything like that. And then basically it just didn't know how to handle the situation. And that's kind of what gets me flush. Flustered? Flustered. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's like fluctuated. That's not the right one. (laughs) So I'll say I'm not the best at personal evangelism. I'm probably, I'm definitely better at personal evangelism than like a group evangelism. Oh, yeah. Like if you get a group of people and... Man, I've got to overcome some stage fright to get up there and and actually say something uh, like street preachers. Oh man, my heart goes out. I mean, I'm sure if I just did it, it'd be different. But mm-hmm. man, I mean it. It's one of those things where I would rather preach and no, yeah, do that. Even street evangel like street preaching, rather mm-hmm. than sometimes talking to somebody one on one, especially if it's somebody I know, because yes. like. They know my past, and I was like, mm-hmm. "How am I asking you to come to this when I know in the past that how I was, how I was, mm-hmm. how I've acted while I've claimed to be this in some instances, mm-hmm. like definitely doesn't show it at all." And I don't want. No, I understand that. It's kind of those man, those family is the hardest. Family and friends, really, they are the hardest to evangelize because a lot of times you get a lot of egg on your face because mm-hmm. you're like, they're like, "No, you didn't do that." And, I know you weren't like that. And back then, it's like, you claim to be that, but your actions really show otherwise. Yeah, yeah and you kind of just got to gimp away. You're like, yes, you're right. Yeah, and that's our thing is like, I'm, that's what comes to me, my struggles on evangelism most of the time. But it can be, it can be really fruitful. Um, one thing, just talking about Roman, that, that really inspired me. I mean, she's an amazing just got a really amazing fire for God. And her whole story reminded me of how important prayer is going onto the spiritual disciplines, just how important prayer is Mm -hmm. because she had a lot of people praying for her and she was not living the life. I mean, just like all of us, let's face it. And we sometimes discount prayer and what it affects and how it affects individuals. And it, it, we, sometimes don't pray for those people that we think are too far gone or maybe even not too far gone, but maybe they're too close to us. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's one of those things like prayer is one of the things that I usually only do ask if something's going wrong. I've been trying to change up how I pray and when I think about it to pray, but I always forget that prayer is one of the first things we should do and not a last resort. Yeah. No, that's right. I'm terrible about that. I'm always like, oh, you know, or mine's a hurried prayer. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to eat. Oh, I'm going to bed. Hurried prayer. Right. Or like 
can't fall asleep or just yeah. I don't want to get out of bed, I'll say a prayer real fast and yeah. it'll be okay. <laughs> Lord, please let this day be better. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, her testimony kind of shed light about how important things really need to be and how powerful God can be. Mm-hmm. Or it's a great reminder. Yeah. Because seeing how God works in scripture is awesome. Mm-hmm. But getting to see it in real life is an even greater testament to who he was. Yeah, it's not so abstract. I mean, you, you've you put bones on it. It's real. Right. It's this whole situation of how Old Testament's based upon how God makes covenants time and time again. And the thing that he refers to is the things that he's created, things that he's done. Like, these are by what my covenants stand and how we're going to pass them. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see that happen in real life through the gospel mm-hmm. and miss that. Yeah. It's, uh, it absolutely is amazing. And we should have Roman on the podcast. We should. I think we're, we got to wait a little bit. Well, yeah. Yeah. We're going to get people on the podcast. We just we got to get, get another different soundboard, more mics and we're getting there. Maybe a bigger space <laughs> to host more people. This, this table isn't big enough. I mean, we could maybe fit one more. <laughs> yeah, maybe one more. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one more. Because, I mean, I definitely want Kyle or Remington on the podcast, too. Oh, yeah. And there's definitely other people we'll get to eventually. I mean, it'd be cool to host, like, do something with Dave and them. Or maybe, that would be cool, yeah. There's other people who we could definitely start reaching out to. Just wanted to start a base and see how this goes. And then, if we enjoyed it or not. Hey, and by the way, we've got these brand new arms. Yeah, I mean... I mean, we're moving up in the world here in the podcasting universe. <laughs> At least we're trying to make things easier <laughs> on ourselves. Yeah. yeah. But, no, we're thankful for that you guys have been listening to us. And we want to let you know that we're actually going to be back in Lamentations today. Yes. So we took a hiatus from limitations last time yeah i mean it was super bowl sunday we only had like an hour to do this and because we wanted to get something out because we missed doing this for you guys we miss getting to hear feedback and we hope that we can be enlightening to you guys Mm -hmm. and we enjoy the just getting together and and discussing theology and scripture like five minutes afterwards yeah exactly Mm mm-hmm like after we hung up, Kyle comes through the door, and five minutes later, we're talking about theology. Yeah, the Super Bowl, and unfortunately, the Bengals didn't win. They did not win. It was all Rams, but it was a it was a pretty good game. Oh, I bet you're excited because Aaron Rodgers didn't leave the Packers. No, I'm not that excited though because they didn't sign Devontae Adams, and he's with the Las Vegas Raiders. That really sucks for the Chiefs. I'm just going to throw that out there. Everything sucks for the... I mean, the AFC West is stacked right now. Yeah. But I, watch them have like one of the worst records. Uh, yeah, the I know. <laughs> the, uh, Russell Wilson's with the Broncos. <sighs> and then Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Yeah. And then Juju is now with... The Chiefs. The Chiefs. That's pretty good. I mean, that, that, that bolstered Chiefs his up quite an- a bit. His antics, though, are yeah. going to be interesting. But uh, the whole... Devontae Adams to the Ram or to the Rams to the Raiders, Raiders. that really mm-hmm. that made that team go from 
like really good to a great edge. It could be, yeah, it could be really good depending on what Derek Carr shows yeah. up this year. Yeah, that's true. But Green Bay couldn't resign him. There no. was no way. No, he didn't even want to play with the franchise tag. No. Which I don't understand. You're going to make like a lot of money anyway. Oh, and then of course, there's always Tom Brady. We don't, we don't discuss Tom Brady on this podcast. It's too late. I already opened it up. <laughs> Put it back. Put it back where you found it. Brady, just stay retired for a little bit. <laughs> just, just give someone else a shot. <laughs> uh, but, sorry, we're great at rabbit trails and not great at staying off of them. No, we like rabbit trails. But, but it, anyway, yeah. Lamentations, chapter three. Verse? Man, I really could have swore we went to 32 last time. Why don't we just go 31 to 31 on? Sounds great to me. That'll work. For the Lord will not reject forever, for if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land. To deprive a man of justice in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a man in his lawsuit of these things the Lord does not approve. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass? Unless the Lord has commanded it. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? Maybe we should stop there. That's a good one. Yeah. I was reading here in my commentary, which this is the Dwayne Garrett World Biblical Commentary. That's And he says this about 31. I thought was just, he put it in such good words and kind of a question. How can one possibly accept the speaker's assertions about what is good to do, verses 3, 25 through 30? How can one possibly accept that it is better to submit to God's will if this suffering is indeed God's will? In verse 30, the speaker begins a nine-verse response to these and related questions. So that would be three nineteen through 24. His convictions about God's character form the basis of his previous stated conclusions. So he poses the question, how can one possibly accept it is better to submit to God's will if this suffering is indeed God's will? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole way down I've really been thinking about is verse 38. Is it, I mean, I know I'm skipping ahead, oh, but yeah, you're fine. Th- this really kind of sets the whole tone for the whole thing. Is it not from the mouth of the most high that both good and ill go forth? Mm-hmm. I mean, we really don't think about that as much. Mm-hmm. When we think about God, we want blessings to come forth. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I kind of think about the way that people wanted to see the Messiah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think of being blessed by God in ancient culture, I mean, what's the things you think about? Somebody who's got land, somebody who's got good farming, somebody who's been blessed materialistically, blessed family-wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, things that are increasing. When in reality, God made Jesus' life look like none of that. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was like, looked like he was cursed because he didn't have a home. He wasn't very wealthy here on this earth at all. No. I mean, he was a nomad, just went from town to town and had no house to lay his head in. Mm-hmm. I mean, even his family didn't exactly travel with him. 12 people 
mean, I don't really know what else to say, but yeah. it really points to the question of, I know this isn't how we got to where we are in Lamentations about, but what is important in our lives as Christians? Hmm. Yeah. Kind of like an inventory. Right. And needs us to pay attention there is like, what are really good things and Mm -hmm. what are the ill things? I'm not saying if you have material wealth or anything like that, that's a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things like when you're thinking of the rich young ruler, Mm -hmm. are you willing to give that up for God? Yeah. When you kind of do like an inventory and understand why maybe you have the things that you do Mm -hmm. or why you have them, maybe how you can use them for the kingdom. Um, and other items like that. I mean, just doing a spiritual inventory of everything that you have and realizing who's given those things to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you think back to Job too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one that we'll always go back to when and it comes to these kind of situations. Remembering the, the, the good things, because when we say the things that God's given to you, you always think of the positive, good things, materialistic items. But in, in reality, we could even say the bad things, the harsh things. Why has God caused this, you know, you know, say, why has God caused this? Why has God allowed this to happen to me in my life? Right. So we do have to distinguish between causes, which I don't want to get jump ahead because he's going to kind of talk about it a little bit later on. But we do have to understand the different causes and realize that God doesn't a lot of times cause something to happen. It's a result of our own sin that something happens. Mm-hmm. We have to be held accountable for that. Right. And for those of you who haven't, caught up or are listening for the first time what's happening in lamentations is this is the fall of jerusalem by babylon Mm -hmm. this is where you see daniel's picked out well not specifically in lamentations but this is the time period where daniel's picked out taken to exile i mean this is where jeremiah's been warning israel that this is coming i think ezekiel is too technically at this time i don't I can't I have to check that. No, we've been reading Ezekiel, but I think that's the only thing that this could refer to. I think mm, you might be right. Yeah, that or right. it's Assyria. I just don't know when in the timeline. I need I need to dig more into that. We are terrible at timelines. I am terrible at. Time. I need that chronological Bible that Roman got. I know Remington's got a copy of it, or Remington has one too. But I mean, seriously, yeah. This is the point in time where Jerusalem is being sieged. It's gone through hunger. It's gone through famine. It's gone through no water. It's gone through its walls being torn down. It's mm-hmm. it's people killed. It's women ransacked. People eating each other to stay alive. That's pretty brutal. And this is the reason why Lamentations is being written is to lament that because mm-hmm. we as Christians should be able to put forth out our emotions. We're not joy does not mean to be happy all the time. Joy means to at the end of the day that you know that God's in control and that you're willing to have joy in the fact that no matter what happens, he is at the end of the day sovereign and okay with it. Yeah. Understanding that there's nothing in this world that is outside of his control so that something comes up, surprises God, and he has to do a knee-jerk reaction, that everything in life has a meaning and purpose. There's no such thing as purposeless evil. 
in God's world. No, um, he's completely sovereign over it mm-hmm. and completely omniscient. Mm-hmm. So he knows everything. There's yeah. nothing that can't surprise him. He can't learn anything. He can't mistake anything. No. And I know people really want to try to get that, say that we're getting that mixed up with foreordination. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand that being omniscient means nothing surprises him. Mm-hmm. We understand foreknowledge. I've never, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on the, the foreordination argument. If you have foreknowledge, you have to therefore foreordain. I don't know. I've never, never heard anybody actually take them on at that one. But mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense to me. I mean, you can't know something's going to happen in the future, and then it not yeah. come to pass. Yeah. So, I, to me, I've never understood how you could separate because I've heard that people say that before. You're talking about foreordination, you know, and it's like, but you can't. You know, how can you separate the two? I mean, I, I can understand there's a distinction between the two. Right, but but you, I don't think you can you can actually separate the two from each other. Like they go together. Right, because I mean, it can't be like God doesn't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and is what it falls down to. Or He knows that it's going to happen, but He doesn't ordain it to happen, which means that it could not happen. Which kind of you know it doesn't really make sense. Right, and I mean. I'll admit this is one of the parts where I struggle with the most because you see here in this part that both the good and ill go forth, right? Mm-hmm. From his mouth. Mm-hmm. But at the same time you see in John first John one one or not one one, but in first John one eight or something like that, it talks about how God is light and there's no darkness in mm-hmm. him. And it really gets it could really seem confusing to some people. Yeah. Or, I mean, it. it's something that we need to think about long and hard because if somebody studies scriptures and points out to this, I mean, what are you going to say to this? No, it's, I think we two times, too many times as Christians want to hold on to the bubblegum and rainbows, um, God is love and compassion without ever looking at, you know, peeking behind the curtain and realizing he also is wrathful. And we bring a lot of baggage in, onto the table when we when we say that God is wrathful because we think, oh well, wrath is always bad, you know. This wrath, punishment, this is always bad. But in reality, it's it's not. No, I mean it's the whole point of why we have to repent in the mm-hmm. first place. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just because God loves us, mm-hmm. but there are consequences and dire ones if we don't repent. Yeah, and that's the whole part of the gospel. Yeah, the gospel is that, I mean, the gospel is the good news, right? And it it carried, the gospel would have been the same as a Greek messenger running into a coliseum to announce a victory of war. But with a victory of war, there's also bad news. And there was casualties, there was death, someone lost. And so the gospel is the good news, but keep in mind that there will be bad news for those that don't accept the gospel or on the other side of the gospel. I like what Dwayne Garrett says here about verse 32. He says, At this point, the speaker explains why he believes that God's wrath will not be endless. In short, he continues to believe that he stated 
what he stated in 322-24. Uh, he says, based on Exodus 34, 6-7, and Deuteronomy 11-1, he concludes that God indeed does cause grief, yet he also has compassion, a concept found in 322. Accordingly to the abundance of his covenant, mercy, steadfast love, a concept also follows. Later on, the speaker believes that after the Lord has caused sorrow, he shows pity once more according to the fullness of his grace. Compassion outweighs sorrow. And, I mean, just to just to assert that even in those dark moments when you, you know, question God or you're wondering about the, the bad things that have happened, to realize that even in the moments that you're doubting or those those thoughts are creeping in, that God is still having mercy and compassion upon you in those very moments. That God's mercies have exceeded anything else. Because in reality, what should a holy, righteous God do the first time that you sin? He should simply exact the correct punishment, which would be death and outer darkness immediately. But he doesn't. No, he absolutely just prolonging it is kind of like the way to put it, but not at the same time. I mean, mm. there are times where he definitely gives exact judgment. Mm-hmm. And there are sins that have caused people's deaths. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But there's times where he's also given us a chance to repent over time and time again. I mean, he gave Israel from the time of Abraham to even past the, even to right now, a time to repent. And he hasn't completely wiped them out. Yeah. I mean, think of that. From the time of Abraham to now, even when they've sinned, he still gave them as his chosen people. Mm-hmm. And whether you want to include us, whether you want to believe that Gentiles are included in the family of Israel or that the state Israel right now is the biblical Israel. doesn't matter. I mean, just think of that. Mm-hmm. The whole point is that God has given over 2,000 years for these people to repent, turn of their sins, and come to him. Mm-hmm. If that's not loving kindness, I don't know what is. Yeah. Think of all the calamity that has befallen them from 70 AD on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could be honest, even persecution at Christians' own hands is a testament of God's mercy. And we don't want to think of it that way. We think of it as harshness, you know, or evil. But I think when we do that, we don't realize where we are at ourselves. When you point the finger and say, that's evil over there, I think you are, you're overestimating your own heart. Yeah, I get that. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land, to deprive a man of justice in the presence of the Most High, to defraud a man in his lawsuit. Of these things the Lord does not approve. Over time and time again, we're saying that God's a just God. Mm-hmm. God isn't somebody who just willy-nilly, oh, I'm going to strike you dead. I'm going to strike this. Or, like, I'm going to cause this to befall you without any cause whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
understand that we're saying this without understanding his plan or why. But I mean, that's part of the faith is understanding that God has done this in the past. God has done this in the present. And God doesn't change, so he's going to be the same in the future. Mm -hmm. God is not arbitrary. No, he doesn't just arbitrarily choose, as some people want to bash on Calvinism, just choose one person to go to hell and one. Mm -hmm. God doesn't sit up there with the sorting hat. Right. You know, and you're going to hell. You get to go to heaven. Yay. Right. No. And it's not, and it's something that we have a choice in. When you understand, like, this part in Lamentations, you see what the Lord delights in. says he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. He doesn't do this because he just gets kicks out of it. He's not sitting there like, well, today I guess I'm just going to burn some ants. No, this is because Jerusalem has done and messed up Aaron. Yeah, Aaron, <laughs> you done messed up now. But he's literally tried for hundreds of years to bring them back. And even warned David, warned Solomon, even warned through Moses that this is what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. If you don't follow my covenant, follow my law when it's given to you. Yeah. And when you read the prophets and you realize, I mean, why is all this calamity happening? And, and they go on and on and on. And then verse 34 on to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the land to deprive a man of justice in the presence of the most high. This was being done in Israel at this moment. They were depriving. You can go back and really look at Psalm 82, judgment Psalm. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go back, uh, Go to Book of Judges. You can read all this. It says, To defraud a man in his lawsuits of these things the Lord does not approve. And then, Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass? So all these things he does not delight in, all these things he does not like, saying, essentially, this is part of the reason you're facing judgment. And then also remember that chapter 3. Um, the start of it is the author himself yes, feeling like it's personal. Not just like Jerusalem and Israel itself, but it feels like he's personally been affected by this. I mean, yes, it says, I am the man who has seen affliction. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones, besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. I mean, this isn't something that that he doesn't feel like he's going through emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Physically, I mean, if this is Jeremiah, he was thrown into a pit, mm-hmm. possibly even stoned. I mean, and this is what God has put his messenger through. Mm-hmm. And Je- if Jeremiah's the author, he knows this mm-hmm. and understands this and doesn't even blame God for it. There is the key. Right. And I like the way that Stephen Smith in his commentary writes towards the end of this. Mm-hmm. He says, at the end of 33, it says Jeremiah's point is slightly different from the psalmist. He's not only drawing attention to God's character, but also dealing with our response. The argument is that since the Lord will not cast off forever, since our suffering is not eternal, why not bear upon the yoke now and learn that all that God wants to teach us? Mm. Basically, you messed up. You're going to face judgment. 
basically buck up and face it and repent. Right. And repent and learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something we don't always think about. No. <laughs> when when we're told we're doing, we're, when we're being punished, we don't, we understand that it's a learning curve, but mm-hmm. man, I, I guarantee at first there's no thought that crossed her mind. Like, oh, I remember our parents telling us like, do you want this to happen to you again? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, this is how you learn yeah. <laughs> of what happens when you do this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do this, this happens. This is this is the result. Learn from it. Keep going. Right. Learn that decisions have consequences. You know, it was like when my my parents were silent when I made a ramp out of two by fours. My bike, and they would just sit there and watch. They were like, hmm. It's going to end good. It did end. It ended really well. Me flipped over on my bike. <laughs> I'm like, I bet you're not going to do that again. I did it again. Eventually, you'll land on your two wheels. Eventually. All right. So, who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? I mean, I think we've pretty much really covered this that. Mm-hmm. God's the one in charge. God is sovereign, and he's not just doing this willy-nilly. All right, let's go on, and we'll go 39 to whenever we... 39, let's do 10, 39 to 49. 49. Sure. Why should any living mortal or any man uh, or any man offer complaint in the view of his sins... Let us examine and probe our ways, and let us return to the Lord. We lift up our heart and hands toward he- toward God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain and have not spared us, and not spared. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us mere offscoring and refuse in the midst of the peoples. And all our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have befallen us, devastation and destruction. My eyes run down with streams of water because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes pour down unceasing without stopping. Until the Lord looks down and sees from heaven, my eyes bring pain to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. I mean, it's continuing on in 39 Mm -hmm. of what we were talking about earlier of how that the author of Lamentations is not being bitter about why this is happening. He's not saying why God, he's not saying how dare you do this to us. Mm -hmm. It's from a humble heart through grief. That's really understands what's going on. He, he really understands where he's at in relationship to God. Um, I think Garrett has it really good here, um, commenting on, he's commenting on verse 38, but it really, I think, flows with what we're saying here. He says, further the speaker asserts from the mouth of the Most High, does not come forth the bad and the good. This query has already been answered in Lamentations and earlier texts, both of which state that good and bad are experienced by human beings. Come from the Lord, the same Most High, who knows when all injustice occurs, declares that pleasant and unpleasant experiences will take place. And he goes on to say, God is, after all, the Creator, and though He brings about 
both good things and bad things, calamities, troubles, not moral evil. This reference to his creative omnipotence is intended to be comforting because the creator and what he has made cannot be the final analysis. In, in the final analysis cannot be evil. I'm going to read this one more sentence too. Sorry, Go this is good. I didn't see this. The speaker seems to realize that if God is not in control of the bad things, again seen from a human perspective, then he may also not be in control of the good things. Wow, that's, that's not something I've ever really thought about before. If God wasn't in control of the bad things, how hmm. could he be in control of the good things? It's kind of interesting how those two relate. I've never actually put that. That's why I was reading that and I caught that. I was like, ooh. I didn't catch that before. But when you think about it, we, so going back to God's foreknowledge, right? So God knows all things and how they're going to happen, how they're going to occur. Um, we would say if anything is cannot be known, then God can't be, you know, all-knowing. Well, when you take that argument and then you bring it, which all or at least I would say pretty much all Christians agree to that. When you flip that over, if you say God's responsible for all the good but not the bad, how can he be responsible for the good if he doesn't know when or where the bad's going to happen? Right, absolutely. You know, is God like the janitor trying to clean up the mess after it's been spilled? Or is he the person who's playing both sides of the chessboard? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, but I mean, I hate saying this because it makes... It makes God sound like we're just robots and pawns under them sometimes. You just say it and we can explain it. Right. But I mean, it really feels that way sometimes that God's completely in control of mm-hmm. how things work and when things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what we attribute to him. And don't get me wrong there. We are morally responsible for how we yeah. act and what we choose. But it... It just, maybe it's because the way we look back at scripture, it just seems like things are completely illustrated to the way they're supposed to go. I mean, you think about it. God planned a famine to happen and for Joseph to be there. Yeah. That he put him there for a purpose. Right. Abraham tried to go outside of how God gave his promise. And wow, now my mind's going to blink on what the first child's name is. Of Abraham. Uh, I, uh, Ishmael. Ishmael. That's what it is. I was about to say Isaac, and I was like, d- d- no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Isaac. <laughs> and Ishmael didn't surprise God at all. I mean, God knew that was going to happen. God had blessings for him. He knew a nation was going to come from him. I mean, Esau and Isaac. Yeah. Or not uh, Esau and it, Jacob. Esau and Jacob. Yeah. I mean, that didn't surprise him. Twins? Nope. In fact, what does he say? He knew that the younger one was going to get it yeah. before the older, the older one. The older, the older shall, shall serve the, the younger. younger. Right. So he knew ahead of time. I mean, he had a plan for Saul and David. Think about when he gave the commandments to Israel. And he says, when you disobey. It's not if. He says, when you disobey. Because I know it's going to happen. You're going to do it. All this calamity is going to happen to you. But don't worry. There will be. Mm. You know. It, I mean, he's given the commandments to them, and they're already like, <laughs> while he's giving them, he's like, yeah. they've already messed up down there. Yeah. 
He's like, Moses, get down there right now before I smite them all. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. Really compassionate God. He's like, I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments. And then while he's still on the mountain, they are blaspheming and worshiping another God who, at the base of the mountain. And saying they are, that this God is the one who brought them out, out of Egypt. Egypt. Well, the true God <laughs> is speaking to Moses, giving him the commandments. Right. It's like, wow. And I know it sounds like we're hating on them on the Israelites. But I mean, like I understand it. Moses has been gone for like 30 days at this point well, in time. I I would think he would be. But maybe it's not like we're bashing Israel. We as believers can really place ourselves just in Israel's place. Almost throughout all of scripture, we can realize that Israel's not unique in their stumblings and, and so on and so forth. That's really just us. Right. It's one of the reasons why when I look at the New Testament, I really harp on the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Because... At the end of the day, I know that it is just as easy for me to be in their shoes mm-hmm. rather than the disciples' path. Yeah. I mean, if we don't watch ourselves as Christians, we are really more like the Pharisees than what we think. It's crazy to think that we can have we can share more in common with the Pharisees than we can with the disciples. Mm. Well, I mean, the, the disciples before the crucifixion. We'll go okay, with that. yeah. Yeah, agreed. I mean, disciples even messed up afterwards, but I'm just saying it's really easy for us to miss the point of being a follower of Jesus under the new covenant mm-hmm. than a Pharisee who was still under the old covenant and think that they had it all together. We always want to go back. It's easier that way. Mm-hmm. I like what uh, he carries on here. You you touched on so much of it when you mentioned about uh, Smith commenting on his Garrett mentions three things continuing from verse 39 on one he's talking about israel and he says there israel blamed talking about in the exodus there israel blamed god and moses for their hardships immediately after the nation left sinai for canaan here the speaker argues that such baseless self-justifying and blame-shifting complaints should not be made talking about verse 39 second the speaker wonders whether a living man should complain. And then third, a man should not complain about what his sins have caused. He concludes that about his sins probably refers to punishment or what the man's sins have brought upon him. Therefore, this is the first time it is implied in the poem that the man's troubles have been due to his own sins. He is being punished and that he should call into question not the goodness of God, but his own goodness. Thus the line leads into the ensuing call for repentance. In other words, the speaker realizes that he has endured and indeed come from God's hand, yet only because of how he himself has acted. Right. I mean, when we think of punishment, we don't look towards what can I learn from this? How can Mm -hmm. I do this? We just think about the injustice that's been done to us mm-hmm. sometimes. Or we feel as if it <laughs> is an injustice. But that's why he says here in verse 40, Let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. Where we should lift up our heart and hands toward God in heaven. For we have transgressed and rebelled. Knowing and humbling ourselves to the fact that sin is our fault. That mm-hmm. we get ourselves into this situation. And it's not God's fault. Mm-hmm. God doesn't make us sin. We just do it. We right. like it. We want to do it. So picking up from 
43. <laughs> you have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain and have not spared. You have covered yourself with the clouds so that no prayer can pass through. You have made us mere oscurry and refuse in the midst of the people. I mean, this is back to where we were at the beginning of chapter 3 of how he was saying, even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He mm. is like, or he is to me like a bear lying in wait. I mean, this is showing that God is the agent mm-hmm. doing this. It's not just Babylon of its own accord, mm-hmm. but that God is using a nation mm-hmm. to judge another nation. Yeah. Which eerily, if you remember, or not eerily, this is the point, which Israel was to all the nations of Canaan beforehand. His instrument of justice, and now he will bring another instrument of justice against his own people. Right. And don't worry, guys. He, spoiler alert, he does do the same to Babylon. Yeah. And Persia takes over Babylon. Well, and that's where you have the, as the as the author mentions, the compassions of the Lord really outweigh um, the bad. Anything that you can stack up bad, the compassions outweigh, you know, a thousand to one. Right. And... God uses nations time and time again to judge other nations for the sin and stuff that they do against God and the transgressions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He can only stand it for so long. I mean, the only time that I know that, I mean, I'm sure there are other times, but the only time that we see in scripture that he intentionally acts and destroys the nation is Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And well, I mean, that was until the last day. Yeah. Yeah. It was well-deserved. Yeah. Definitely. The fact that they were going to do it to the messengers he sent. (laughs) To angels. I mean, yeah, it's pretty depraved. Well, I mean, those weren't just either two angels either. Those are the ones who were walking with him and Abraham down the path. Yeah. That's got to be, I mean, yeah, there's so much that could be said there. I'm not going to chase that rabbit. I'm going to let that one go. Okay. Letting that one go. All right, so 46. 46. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have befallen us. Devastation and destruction. My eyes run down with streams of water. So now he starts that as this calamity approaches, you see again his personal weeping. And he's he's weeping now. My eyes run down with streams of water. I don't know if saying calamity approaching is the right word. I mean... This is as the calamity is going on. Okay, yeah, the, the calamity has arrived. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's not approaching. It's yeah, here. Yeah, it's here. It's going on, and he is grieved. My eyes pour down unceasingly without stopping until the Lord looks down and sees from heaven. My eyes bring pain to my soul. So until the Lord looks down from heaven, or looks down, sorry, not, yeah. And <laughs> looks down and from, sees from, from heaven. heaven. <laughs> yep. Because of all the daughters of my city, my enemies without cause hunted me down like a bird. They have silenced me in the pit, and they have placed a stone on me. Waters flowed over my head. I said, I am cut off. I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. You have heard my voice. Do not hide your ears from my prayer for relief, for my cry for help. Wow. I mean... This really just continues on from what was said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But you see the faith here where we have two occurrences where he, there's been this cry out 
or this prayer, you, you know, you have the human standpoint, he's causing, he's not allowing my prayers. And then you realize later on that it's their own sins that are causing God to not hear their prayers to now God is actually hearing this man's prayer. Right. I mean, we, you begin at chapter three and it seems like, oh my goodness, there's no hopelessness after everything that's going on mm-hmm. in chapters one, two, in the beginning of three. And then it, it's like, my strength has perished, so has the hope from the Lord. And he's like, oh, wait. I remember the affliction and everything that's happened to me. And I have hope because the Lord's loving kindness never ceases. Mm-hmm. And continues on with one of the most beautiful passages of yeah. remembering God in anguish here. And then remembering, okay, this is just a time where I need to learn why this happened to me, why the sins come forth. And then why should I complain about what's going on? Mm-hmm. So you can see that hope's building. Yeah. See that hope's coming back because like brick it's by brick by brick. It's really laying forth the fact of how we need to deal with our grief and what happens to us in our punishment and consequences. Mm-hmm. That we're not to lash out, not to rehash it. I mean, not to seek vengeance. Mm-hmm. But that we are to look up to God and say, you are God and I am not. Mm. And I know what you're doing is fair and just. It might not seem like it now, God, but I know who you are and I know that what you are doing. Mm-hmm. Trusting in God for mm-hmm. who he is, not who we want him to be. Right. Yeah, that was that's good. And that's one of the things mm-hmm. about remembering as Christians is that the gospel is important and we need to be telling people about the gospel all the time. Mm-hmm. But we also need to make sure that we are teaching God for who he is. Mm-hmm. Because the gospel can only be explained through knowing who God is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Preach it. <laughs> okay. Kind of continue on past where we read, but it says, we'll just finish out in 58 through 66. Oh Lord, you have pleaded my soul's cause. You have redeemed my life. O Lord, you have seen my oppression. Judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. You have heard their reproach, O Lord, all their schemes against me. The lips of my assailants and their whispering are against me all day long. Look on their sitting and their rising. I am their mocking song. You will recompense them, Lord, O Lord. According to the work of their hands, you will give them the hardness of heart. Your curse will be on them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. You see like this complete 180 where it's, oh, Lord, have pity on me. Not have pity on me. Lord, you know, hear my pain, my suffering, anguish to Lord. I know what I'm feeling now will be exacted again to them. Mm-hmm. They and, will experience this. And it's remembering and trusting in God with that vengeance. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Absolutely. I mean, it's not taking it into your own hands, but trusting that God will give it to them later on. Yeah. And it might not be like 
within the next month or within the next year. It might not even be in your lifetime. What? No, but you think about it. Seriously, they were in captivity for uh, over was several hundred years. I don't even know how long it was, if we're going to be honest. No, enough yeah. for an empire to change. Yeah. Pretty sure it was a few hundred years, like 200. Something like that. Like I said, I'm terrible with timelines. Me too. <laughs> but yeah, trusting in the Lord with vengeance. I mean, this is the same one that says, you know, vengeance is mine. Mm-hmm. We we give it to the Lord and allow him to exact vengeance and realize that sometimes, no matter what, what we deem as just will not occur in our lifetime. Right. And... I mean, it's also going into that fact of we talk about God is just, mm-hmm. but it's trusting that God will be just to those who have done wrong to you. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, it's not just hoping that he's compassion, but realizing that God is going to be just towards everyone and everything and give them what they are due. Mm-hmm. That's a big, that takes a lot of trust. Yeah. Man, I, it really I'm, does. I mean, it's part of the forgiveness, part of the dealing with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an ultimate truth that we have to really remember is that God is going to give everybody justice when they're due it. Yeah. And he's going to give it in his timing in the way that he sees fit. And it's going to be just. <laughs> I think it was, was either Paul Washer, I'm pretty sure it was Paul Washer, who said that... Um, you know, you only receive justice or grace, and that's it. There's no in between. It's justice or grace at the end. So, no matter what injustices you've experienced in your life, either justice or grace. No one gets out of it. No, not at all. But, I mean, this is literally the author crying out for that yeah i mean it kind of reminds me of the psalms i mean i'm sure this is somebody who's in particular about the psalms of when david's writing his own psalms similar Mm -hmm. lord my enemies are surrounding me when are you going to come to my aid Mm -hmm. i mean trusting in them to do it instead of himself i mean going on with the psalms and david have writing much of the psalms uh, you have just the story of David trusting the Lord, his his trust, his patience in the Lord um, with uh, Saul in the cave. He could have easily struck Saul. It was given to him right there. I think it's twice. It, yeah. I think he's given the opportunity twice yeah. to kill Saul. Yeah. Saul goes into oh. the cave to relieve himself, and David is right there with the sword. Right. And then there's another time when Saul is sleeping in his camp. Yeah, and he cuts off. And then he sticks a spear in the ground right yeah. next to him and takes away something from Saul. So you you had twice that David could have killed him, and most people wouldn't have would have thought otherwise. They would have thought that's just, it's fine because Saul was pursuing David, right? So it would have been warranted. But he trusted in God that God would provide the way by which he would become king. Mm-hmm. And not only that, is trusting and being faithful to who God had appointed yeah. as the anointed one at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Realizing that God had him 
in control and God would take him out of control when he wanted him to. Right. Mm-hmm. And not like not giving him an earlier fulfillment of what he was promised. Yeah. Not years like Years or so earlier. Not an Abraham moment. You mentioned Abraham earlier. Not right. an Abraham. Oh, God promised a, a seed. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll, we'll just, you know, just take Hagar over here and this will. Sure. This is what God means. Yeah. It, it's kind of just awesome when you get to go through all these stories and you realize how they start to click and fit into mm-hmm. each other and how much, I mean, really like the prophets mm-hmm. pull from earlier in scripture. Yeah. It's something that we really don't always think about all the time. We love to look at the stories by themselves and not look towards, oh, hey, this is sounds eerily similar to this and yeah. this is how this pans with this. I mean, it really gives a nice sometimes a nice beautiful circle that really points back towards Christ and the gospel as a whole or mm-hmm. just to who God is. Yeah. Some of my favorites looking at that is when you have the, we talked about today and or Kyle preached today in the, in the sermon, the lamb, mm-hmm. you know, the sacrificial lamb, the lamb that Isaac and Abraham or the, the ram, but the, it, all, all the parallels throughout scripture. Yeah. And how Jesus wasn't just one of those lambs, but he was the ultimate lamb that kind of had a little bit of all of those, Mm -hmm. but even more so. All those pointed to Mm -hmm. him. They all kept saying, this isn't enough. There's one to come. There's more. It'll end. And it was in Christ. Right. Nah, it's just, I love... I'm starting to really love biblical theology. I mean, it started with a conference I got to go mm-hmm. to back when Nine Marks what has their conference at Midwestern. Midwestern, yeah. The only one that I've gotten to go to was on biblical theology. And it kind of really pointed out to I knew the stories and I knew that obviously there are references made visibly from one thing to the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, we both always quote Romans three. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's from the Psalms and from Isaiah or something like that. Yeah, a whole collaboration of Psalms and Isaiah. And- right. But I mean, we also don't think about how things like this point back towards Psalms. We don't think how Psalms point towards promises made in Genesis or mm-hmm. we don't think of how those stories really collaborate together all the time. Mm-hmm. And, as Christians, we really need to know our Bible in order to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's not just enough to read the one study in Scripture and that's yeah. it. The story doesn't stand alone. It's part of a bigger meta narrative that really goes yeah. and ties it up together nicely. It's how Revelation interacts with Judges, how, you know, Ephesians goes with Exodus. Right. Or how. Like the small book of Jude, yeah, pulls from Genesis. It pulls from the book of Enoch, possibly. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know the book of Enoch's not in the Bible. It's just awesome to when you look at those things that influence the author and how they communicate to God. That it really starts to open up studying Scripture to you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You start seeing the the lines being drawn. We start dealing with those concepts and, and other things. Uh, doing word studies have really helped me with that. 
right. connecting biblical theology. Because when you do a, a word study and then you understand what this word means and you go through all these different passages to understand it, it like paints in the lines so you can see the context and you know what I mean. It helps fill in what those things actually mean to get you a biblical defined answer on that. Right. Like Matthew, you won't get the picture of being a greater prophet than Moses or Mm -hmm. a greater king than David. If you don't read the old Testament, yeah. if you don't make those connections of like the 40 days of fasting is for the 40 years of where Israel was in the wilderness. Yeah. You would lose that. Yeah. And you would lose significant exposure Mm -hmm. to what, the author's real true intention was of saying that to people mm-hmm. because the people that they were talking to is all Israelites mm-hmm. knew their history in and out. Yeah. I mean, they were steeped in it. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing about Israel, you know, we bashed on them here, but one thing they were really good at was discipleship in the sense that everyone knew the scriptures you were raised from a little age. Now, whether those scriptures actually permeated the soul is another thing, but they knew them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were told to write them on their hands and, and, and put them on their head. And, and on their doorpost. And on their doorpost. <laughs> and when you rise up and when you lie down and, you know, they knew God's word. Mm-hmm. They knew it. No, nah, but those are just all great things that we remember. I mean, it's one of the things we'll have to look into. Mm-hmm. Maybe again sometime. I mean, yeah. we're excited to eventually add some people, have some guests, because mm-hmm. we don't want this to be us. We want to interact with other people. Yeah, We're just now really getting this podcasting thing somewhat sorted out. Yeah. And to where, I mean, this is something we both really enjoy. Yeah. But we want to be thankful for you guys and let you know that we're thankful. We're praying for you guys. But, and I hope you guys are praying for us just as much as we are for you. We are on all major podcasting sites pretty much. Go to iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify. Maybe we should actually like write a closing down just like we do. (laughs) We don't want it to sound too monotone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But yeah. So, all major podcasting sites. Give us a review on iTunes, five star if you want. Mm-hmm. it helps us get in the playlist but we also want you to be honest mm-hmm. we're not doing this for the playbacks we're doing this no. to be encouraging well we're trying to encourage you to get you to think yeah we're trying to encourage others we could take encouragement as well and you know we could also take criticisms as well so yeah we're just trying to get you to think because we're lay leaders exactly. who have some studies or have studied a little bit mm-hmm. but we're doing this to deepen our studies and to encourage you more All right, my name's Logan Batisti. And my name is Colton Wright. Thanks for listening, guys. And God bless.